Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to review the current Bengals headlines, as well as the 53-man roster and the 16-man practice squad. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Who day? Bengals headlines. The Bengals have announced their 53-man roster as well as their practice squad, and to quote Joe Burrow, the journey has just started. All right, so let's quickly go over some headlines. I'm not going to go in depth about the Miami game because it's kind of old news at this point, but a couple things to note from that game. A standing O for Joe. Come on, you got to love it. I don't remember the last time I saw a standing ovation in that stadium. It might have been A.J. Green with that go-ahead touchdown against Pittsburgh in the wild, infamous wild card game. I mean, it's good to see everyone in his corner treating him like the star that he is and is going to be, and that's good for Joe Burrow's confidence and ego and everything to hear everyone just going crazy just for to see him step foot on the field for three plays tough loss to Miami on a Hail Mary I mean that was our game to win and I know it's just preseason no one cares but you know I just like to see us win no matter what the circumstances are so we lost 29-26 Hail Mary at the end of the game Hodge popped him on it though I mean the quarterback got it off but after he got it off Darius Hodge just nailed him so, you know, that's the way it goes. We ended up 1-2 and two in preseason, which means absolutely nothing. And then regarding Joe Burrow, he played three snaps and a quick analysis of those three snaps. On first down, it was like everyone in the house knew the ball was going to go to Mixon. And it was a clever call by Coach Taylor to do the jet sweep to Tyler Boyd. I never like seeing us put our receivers in harm's way on those, especially in preseason. But, I mean, if they would have given it to Mixon he would have just gotten smothered by seven guys at the line of scrimmage because, I mean, I thought that was coming. I like to predict every play before it happens. I just kind of get that way when I'm watching the games. And I was sure it was going to be a handoff to Mixon. They certainly weren't going to have Burrow drop back on the first play of that game. So second play was the infamous Jamar Chase drop, and uh, it was unfortunate. It's, It's just, you know, he came off a bad run from last game. You wanted to see him get out of the gate quick. And then that was another good call by Taylor. You know what? Let's get Chase a short pass, get his confidence back up. He's good running in space like that. It was the perfect play call. Unfortunately, Boyd missed the block in front of him, and Jonah missed the block too. So Chase kind of had two guys bearing down on him, and what he did is very common. He took his eyes off the ball at the last second just to see what was coming at him. And when it happened, he lost concentration, and there was the drop, and then the ensuing scrum and the supposed fumble and whatnot. So, I mean, I heard Zim Houday say that Burrow got the ball out a little bit late on that play. You know, the jury's still out on whose fault that play was. Do you want to blame it on Chase? Do you want to blame it on Burrow? Do you want to blame it on the two guys blocking in front of him? You know what? Who cares at this point? It's behind us. Watch week one. If you play fantasy or if you're a betting person, bet for Jamar Chase to score a touchdown week one because I just know he's going to. I know he's going to come out of the gate very quickly. And then play number three. You know, it was third and like 18 at that point. Not much you can do. They weren't going to put Burrow in harm's way by trying to throw a screen. You see a lot of screen passes on third and longs like that. But they just played it safe, gave it to Mixon. Reef didn't get a lot of push on the right side, so Mixon kind of ran into his back and then, you know, cut the other way and got about five yards. I mean, a decent recovery for a play that was kind of dead in the water to start. 
So those were Joe Burrow's three snaps. I think they were intelligent play calls. I think they kept him safe, and it got him out there. It got him out there calling his cadence, which I think his cadence is great. Even on that first down, he gave that quick bark. I thought he was going to get people to jump. And that's nice to see out of a second-year quarterback. In addition to everything about his game that we love, you forget about the intangibles like that. And he's going to get a lot of guys to jump off sides this year with that cadence. So cool stuff on every on every front there. And then I analyzed Trey Hopkins' three snaps because he was the other one coming off a major injury, and I just wanted to see how he fared. On the first play, he got knocked down, and I was like, oh boy, we're in trouble. You know, he's not ready to play yet. That was just the first down play. But then the next two plays, he, he was in a one-on-one block. I, I guess it was a nose tackle because if it was a defensive tackle, it probably would have been a, a two-man block. But he held his own against the guy on the next two plays, so that was good to see. He had good leverage. He stood his guy up. His guy didn't make any play on the ball. So you would say one unproductive snap and two productive snaps out of Hopkins. I know we're analyzing just the minutia of this. It's just three snaps, but this is what we do. You know, it was exciting to see Burrow and Hopkins back, and I wanted to give a quick note on the plays that they were in in this game. Other things of note from this game, Trent Irwin with another tough catch and a big hit and holding on to the ball and great routes. You had Chris Evans with that beautiful pass from Brandon Allen. It was... uh, excellent throw over the top and an excellent route he came out of the slot down the sideline safety got over a little bit late beat the corner makes a great catch kind of over the shoulder nice catch for anybody especially a running back so he's living up to that expectations we've seen Evans run between the tackles we've seen him good in space running the ball we knew he had good hands and I mean that was a perfect example of it and then Mitchell Wilcox with that tough catch over the middle taking the shot You know, you don't like to see that. I don't like to see those concussions mount up. But what a brave play and an athletic play and a big play in the game. And, you know, he sprung up right away. They knocked off his helmet. See, that's the thing. When you get hit in the back of the head, I I think that's where most of the concussions occur. And that's what happened with him. You know, he's, he's fighting with one guy. Next guy comes in to clean up. Boom, right in the back of the head. Helmet pops off. And as I was saying, Wilcox got up and was like, I'm, I'm not hurt from this, and, you know, kind of did a little dance, and then you saw him wobble a little bit, which you admire the toughness. I mean, that's like a boxer getting knocked down and coming up and then squaring up again. So I give him credit for that, hoping that his long-term health is okay. I'm sure he's going to be back in the lineup for week one. Never like to see one of our players take a hit like that or a concussion for any player. But again, a very brave play and a very encouraging play for the future out of Wilcox. And then I just want to go on to Darius Hodge, who I feel was the defensive MVP through the preseason. Looking like it was going to be Osai's MVP award after that first game, but of course the injury kind of took him out of the running, and Hodge just played three phenomenal games. He had another sack this game, and like I said at the top of the show, he had that big hit on the Hail Mary, just like relentless, never giving up. He he didn't get there on his first attack. And then as the quarterback rolls out, he had a clean look at him. He hit him clean, and he laid him out. So I don't want to see him hurting people on the field this year, but I want to see him get a lot of big hits, especially on the Pittsburghs and the Baltimores and the Clevelands. You know what I'm talking about. And then lastly from the game, Coach Taylor has done a great job protecting his starters. I mean, throughout the whole preseason. He didn't start any defensive players. He had the starting O in for three snaps. He wants to get to week one healthy, and he did a very good job of that. And in addition to protecting the starters, he got a lot of the young players' valuable game experience, and we saw the growth. We saw Trey Hill get better game by game. We saw Deontay Smith get better. We saw Hodge get to blossom. 
Chris Evans got experience. We got to see what he can do. Jackson Carmen was playing well. I mean, I can go on and on about the rookies, him giving them valuable snaps and allowing them to grow while protecting the starters. So very good job on his part. Again, he didn't play the defensive starters for the whole third game. Wise idea because they kind of showed in the first two games they're, they're ready to get to the gate. So then on to other news, Billy Price, who is my boy. He was the only Bengal to date that has appeared on the Unofficial Bengals podcast. I'm predicting he'll be the first of many, but I thank him for being on the show. He was a really good guy, a very intelligent guy. I wish him luck over there. He, I mean, he's going to be in my backyard, you know, because I'm in New Jersey and the Giants play in New Jersey. So, you know, if I ever see him on the street, I'll, 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 give, him a, I'll give him a fist bump. And in return, we got B.J. Hill from the Giants, who I didn't know much about, but a friend of mine who's a big-time Giants fan said it was a pretty solid acquisition, and he has a bunch of starts. I think he has like 17 starts in the league. He hasn't missed a game due to injury or anything. They obviously put him right on the 53-man, so it was someone who they felt was better you know, than, than Mike Daniels, another beloved Bengal. This could be a very good move for us. You want to see them add depth, and when they have the confidence to just get rid of an offensive lineman and bring in a defensive lineman, put him right on the roster, then they believe in that guy. So I'm hoping that B.J. Hill has some very productive snaps for us this season. And then they tried to trade Austin Seibert, which I thought was a good move. I thought someone was going to trade for him. I'm surprised we didn't get anything. We waived him, but he's going to land somewhere. And then they tried to trade Michael Jordan as well, and they didn't get anything for him. I think Jacksonville was one of the teams that was interested, but they have first claim off the waiver wire so they didn't need to give up anybody for him because if they really want him they could they can grab him before anyone has a shot at him so we'll see where Michael Jordan lands and then to the ex-Bengals there's a lot of Bengals around the league that I forgot about that I'm seeing like get cut and signed to practice squads for other teams like a Damian Willis and you know there's a bunch of them out there Um, but the two that I wanted to talk about were Bobby Hart who was waived by the Bills he wasn't able to make that starting that 53-man, the 9 or 10 offensive lineman, he wasn't, they didn't feel he was one of the best. So it kind of reinforces our move to get rid of him. I know, Bengals fans, I know that we all did not like Bobby Hart for all the years he was here. But I thought he was going to stick with somebody as a backup. And then Randy Bullock was waived in Detroit, who is kind of at a quandary at the kicker position right now, but they didn't feel that he was good enough to kick for them. So that also reinforces our decision to move on from Bullock And it looks like we have a dynamite kicker that's going to replace him. And then the final takeaways from the preseason as a whole, we only let up one sack through three games. That's an amazing number. And that sack was due to like a a weird snap count where half the offensive line didn't even move. You know, take away that confusing play where we didn't know what was going on. We didn't really let up a sack. And that's encouraging. I want to see them do that with Joe Burrow. Just protect him all year and the rewards will be phenomenal. I'm telling you guys. And then the other encouraging thing, defensively, we stopped the run. No team got more than 100 yards rushing in a game against us, with whether the first team was out there or the backups. But the first team defense was playing, and I said it before, like that juju game against Pittsburgh last year. They were fired up. They were all over the field. They were stopping the run. And throughout the preseason, we were pressuring the quarterback, whether it came from the interior, whether it came from Hodge or Osai or Sample, Hendrickson, Hubbard. Take your pick. Khalid Kareem, a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So if that continues throughout the season, those two things, letting up minimal amount of sacks on offense, and then on defense, stopping the run and pressuring the quarterback, last thing from the preseason I want to say, 
I think this rookie class is going to be good. You could see they can play. I can go down guy by guy and list everything they did, but we know. They ended up keeping all of them. Wyatt Hubert to the IR, Osai on the injured list as well. But, I mean, all the other eight guys made the team, and they all showed up in the preseason, and you saw growth out of everybody. And then I always like to review the Joe Burrow press conferences. And this one was the one that he did before the Miami game, but there was a couple points there that I wanted to share with you guys. One, he said he was going to continue rehabbing during the season. It wasn't just like, all right, week one's here, rehab's done, let's go. He realizes that it takes a while to get that ACL repaired. You know, it takes a while to rehab it and come back. Even after eight, nine months, you're ready to get on the field. It doesn't mean your rehab is over, and he understands that, and that's good. He's going to just keep strengthening that knee, and it's going to help his mobility and his confidence and his everything. I mean, even, even his passing ability. So smart that he realizes that this is going to be a almost a two-year process to really rehabilitate that knee, even though he's going to play, you know, prior to it being fully healed. And then he said he's not a fan of the knee brace, and I don't blame him. I, I was there, too, in, in my in my history, where it's bulky. You don't want to be wearing It's like this contraption on your leg. I mean, you have the soft ones, but, you know, the ones that you're going to compete with are going to be more the hard ones with the metal in it and, you know, like the hinge. And I totally understand it's not comfortable to have on your knee. Especially Joe, he's a warrior. He doesn't want to have any sign of weakness wearing a knee brace, but he's going to have to wear it for the first four to eight games of the year. We'll see what happens after that. Then the other thing I liked is he said that Coach Taylor gives him a lot of freedom to change plays at the line of scrimmage and check downs and whatnot. And you like to see that. You know, that's the kind of confidence that the Patriots had in Brady. And, you know, you have your Aaron Rodgers and, you know, back in the day, Drew Brees. You're giving those guys autonomy to do whatever they want because you trust that they're going to get you in the right position and even though Joe is just a second year player it's nice to see coach Taylor have that confidence in him because you know Joe can do it you know he's going to get them in the right play even though he doesn't have a lot of experience in the NFL yet it's just he's got that he has those intangibles he has that it factor and coach Taylor is totally nurturing that and to take it a step further Joe also said if he makes a mistake it's not like coach Taylor is going to question him or get mad at him or say why did you do that So that's another good thing for a coach to just say, you know what, I'm going to give you this responsibility and I'm going to trust you. And I know you're not going to be 100%, but I'm not going to come down on you when you're not. Because you have coaches with with a lot of egos out there, and if a guy changes one of their plays and, and it doesn't go right, some of those coaches get really crazy. And I mean, if you go back, way back, New York market again, Coach Bill Parcells with Phil Sims, I remember him blasting him on the sidelines for changing plays if they didn't work out. So it's nice to see that Coach Taylor and Joe Burrow have a different dynamic than that. And then the last thing, and I opened the show with this, Joe Burrow very simply said, the journey has just started. (laughs) Roster Analysis. So the Bengals released the 53-man roster, and it's such an exciting time. Think about it. From, right from the draft through free agency, all of us Bengal fans are trying to predict who that final 53 will be. So that day has come. We know the guys that are on the team. And it's always tough because you see guys that like fight their way through the whole preseason and play well in the preseason, finally make the team. Like Someone like Trenton Irwin, for instance, he's probably like calling his family saying, hey, I made the team, guys. You know, and then a few hours later, they pick up someone that someone else waved, and then they wave him. It's such a bittersweet, unforgiving league when it comes to transactions like that. But that's the way that it is. And a lot of times, you know, we're worried about who's going to be at the bottom of the roster. And then 
in a lot of cases, you don't even see these guys take the field for the most part. So, you know, it's it's a fun game we like to play. You don't know who's going to make it, who's not. You root for your players. And regardless of all that, here we are with the 53. A couple quick notes on it. There's 19 players that are first and second year players. So that's building a young team, and that's good. If you can become a successful team with a lot of young guys like that, you can start stacking up playoff appearances and work your way into the Super Bowl. So it's a good thing that we're a youthful team. You know, some of the other teams out there, even like the Patriots, they take it a little bit differently. So in our case, the average age of the players is 25.2. Again, that's a very young team. Another thing to note is that all 10 draft picks made the team. I said that at the top of the show, you have Osai and Huber on the injured list, but the other eight guys are all right there. So that's good to see. That means we're drafting well. And if you stack a couple good drafts in a row, you start becoming a force in this league. And it looks like, I mean, we had a good draft last year, you know, Burrow, Higgins, etc. And if we're going to be keeping all 10 of the guys from this year, those are two pretty successful drafts. And that bodes very well for us. And then to cap off the whole age thing with being a young team, we only have a handful of guys that are over 30, and two of them are specialists. You know, you have Kevin Huber, Clark Harris, and then you have the three linemen, Reef, Spain, and Suofilo. Everyone else is under 30, so I'm really liking the direction that this team is taking. I think it's an intelligent approach by Mr. Tobin, Coach Taylor, Mr. Brown. And then we have a bunch of players that we're going to be leaning on this year that are all 26 or under. And some of these guys, they've been in the league for a while. You kind of forget that they're so young. But think about it. These are all guys that are 26 and younger. Obviously, I can talk about Burrow and Higgins and the guys that just got drafted. But let's talk about guys that we didn't draft in the last two years prior to that. You have Jesse Bates. Von Bell's only 26. He seems like he's 30. Joe Mixon at 25. Tyler Boyd. Hubbard. Even Hendrickson is 26 years old. That's a good core of players that are, you know, we're looking to have a major role on this team that are all basically in their mid-20s on top of all the draft picks from the last couple years. And then the last thing before I go into the actual 53-man is that we have about 40 guys that were Zach Taylor guys. So you think about how NFL rosters turn three years as a, as a head coach and you know, only maybe a dozen players predated him here. Everybody else came when Coach Taylor did, whether they were draft picks, rookie free agents, or veteran free agents. So let's assume that Coach Taylor is our guy and stays around for a while. You know, he's infusing the team with his guys. We saw that with Marvin Lewis. Within a year or two of Marvin Lewis taking over, same thing. Most of the roster were Marvin Lewis guys. And that's what you need to do. Right? What's the old saying? Like, if you want me to cook the meal, let me get the ingredients. It's kind of the same thing here. All right, so on to the 53-man roster. We'll go position by position. I'll rifle through this. Quarterback, Joe Burrow, pro bowler, gonna take us to the playoffs. I know he's not a pro bowler yet, but come on. And he's going to take us to a Super Bowl. Just watch. And you have Brandon Allen backing him up. The fact that they waved Shermer and didn't bring him back on the practice squad, makes me feel that they're going to look for another quarterback. Remember, they filled, as of this recording, they filled 15 of the practice squad spots. So I'm feeling like they're either going to look for a quarterback or a wide receiver, maybe a veteran at one of those positions to be that 16th guy in the practice squad. Because it's going to be tough to go in with two quarterbacks, especially with you know the state of the world right now. And any kind of injury, you know, you just never know. You, you're going to need a third quarterback in the building getting himself ramped up on the offense. So, in my opinion, look for them to get another quarterback. 
But uh, Brandon Allen as a backup, you see he was getting better and better in preseason, made it, made a lot of great throws. You know, we want to see him get that winning formula. That'll come with experience. Another year in the system has definitely helped him. But let's look for Burrow to be playing 17 games plus playoffs. Let's not even think about Brandon Allen being a possibility for this year. All right, on to running backs. Now, when you think about it, they didn't let any of these guys leave the building. You're going to have Mixon in there, who's going to be a three-down back. If he stays healthy, he's going to be a star this year. I mean, he's a star anyway, but he's going to have a monster year, especially with the offensive line improving. Look out for Joe Mixon this year. Mixon and Boyd, look out. And then you have Samaj P. Ryan backing up. Again, I always say he's, he would run through a brick wall. A good guy to have in there to take some carries off of Mixon's back, especially if Mixon's going to be playing on third down, which I suspect he's going to be playing more third downs than in years past. So you want to have P. Ryan in there, be able to come in, take a few carries off. And that's a guy that you can trust, you know, especially goal line. I, I don't know. I mean, Mixon at the goal line is a nice threat, but P. Ryan at the goal line from a yard or two out, hard to stop. And then Chris Evans has shown everything in preseason. Running, catching, even blocking. So he's a third down back. He's not going to be in there on every third down because obviously Mixon is a three down back. But you're going to see Chris Evans get a few touches a game. And he's going to be fresh coming off the bench. He's going to be hungry when he gets in there. So I think that he's going to make some very good plays for us this year. And they didn't let the other guys leave the building either. They didn't let, I mean, Jacquez Patrick, practice squad. We're going to go into the practice squad a little bit later. Travion Williams, who just runs hard every time his number's called. And Puka Williams, I don't know, wide receiver running back, but they didn't let him leave the building either. So I, I didn't want any of these guys to be off the roster. And it's hard to keep four running backs when you want to stack up your offensive line and you have other team needs. So it makes sense that they kept three, but they got lucky and were able to bring the other three back on the practice squad. So excellent work there. Way to forecast the league. I'm so surprised no one picked up Patrick. Doesn't anyone out there want like a bruising running back that you can give the ball to 20 times a game? On to wide receivers. All right, so we're going to run them down. Boyd is going to have a monster season. Higgins is going to have a monster season. Chase is going to have a monster season. I'm excited about those three guys. We're going to have this triple threat, especially with the guy throwing to them. That's just going to be out of control this year. Just watch. As long as Burrow gets some protection, these guys are going to put up numbers. They're all going to threaten for 1,000 yards this year. Auden Tate showing that he's going to be a solid number four. He can go up and get that big catch. You know, almost like goal line wide receiver or like a third and three wide receiver. You know, throw him a jump ball one-on-one on an out. He's going to come down with that most of the time. And he blocks too. So don't discount that. Don't discount, you know, if... if if it's going to be a running play or going to be some type of screen, you might just see Auden Tate in there as opposed to a Higgins or a Boyd. And then the fifth spot was a surprise because I really thought that Mike Thomas and Trent Irwin earned their spot on the roster, and they they just love Stanley Morgan on special teams, and it's hard not to. He's an excellent gunner. He's probably not going to get too many receptions, which leads me to believe that they might bring in another wide receiver to go five wide with because I don't know if Morgan's that that fifth receiver. Maybe they'll do it with four receivers and a running back or a tight end. Taylor, I thought Irwin beat out Taylor, but yet Taylor's the man that's standing because they did bring him to the practice squad. And I think that if anything happens to one of the starters, you can bring him up, throw him in the slot, throw him in those multiple receiver sets, and we'll see what happens. He does have experience in the league. And don't discount, as I said earlier, that they might not bring in a veteran because there's a few veterans that got waived out there that could be good fits to, you know, to be like a five or a six. 
All right, so tight end. We're going to have Uzama being our main pass-catching tight end, and we're going to have Sample being that blocking tight end that kind of surprises you with some receptions. He had a bunch of receptions last year in Uzama's absence, but those guys are both going to find their way into the roster. And what I was analyzing in preseason, whether it was those guys who weren't really in much or the backups, they were asking the tight ends to do a lot of blocking. So I'm thinking that our tight ends aren't going to rack up a lot of receptions this year. They're going to be used more in the blocking game. But, you know, again, if you're on the field and you're eligible and you're halfway open, Burrow's going to get it to you. So that was good. And we all know the number three spot was a big battle. I wanted Thaddeus Moss. I don't know, just the LSU, the NFL pedigree and the interviews with him and and the stories about him. He's a real try-hard guy, a real likable guy, a real humble guy. And he, he had a lot of receptions in preseason. I thought that he was going to be our guy. But, again... It was a little bit of physicality. He's not a special teams guy. He's not a big-time blocker. And I did notice, even though he had five receptions for 40-something yards last game, he was getting tackled a lot one-on-one. And big-time tight ends, it usually takes a guy or two to bring him down. Or it takes a DB just chopping him at the knees to try to bring him down. But Moss wasn't really breaking a lot of tackles. It was like first man on him, getting tackled. Maybe that was a factor in him not being the number three. Regardless, Mitchell Wilcox, you earned it, at least with that one reception and that toughness that you showed. But Moss did make the practice squad. We'll go into that a little bit later. So he didn't leave the building, which is also good. And Mason Schreck didn't leave the building either. Another guy who's got speed. We, we kind of neglect that because we think about, you know, the younger guys or the guys that get more production. But he's not a slow tight end, and he's a pretty decent blocker. So they're really equipped at tight end. They got their three. If anything happens to one or two of them, tight ends are always getting hurt. Like I said, guys are always chopping them at the knees because they don't want to take them on -on one-on-one. So we got our three, and we got two behind them just in case. So very well done on our part. All right, on to offensive line, and they decided to keep 10. That's what I wasn't sure of. I thought they might keep nine and go with an extra running back. But regardless, you know what? Give the extra offensive linemen here. We can use as many as we can get. So let's run down the five starters and the five backups. Jonah Williams had an excellent preseason. Hope he just keeps building. He was he was a very high draft pick, a first-rounder. So if he keeps playing like he did in preseason and develops into that excellent first-round tackle, we got ourselves a nice force outside on the left. Then you got Quentin Spain. They brought him back from last year. I thought he was our best offensive lineman last year. I don't see a fall-off. I, I think he's going to be very solid out there, a, a mauler in the run game, adequate in the passing game. So that's a good thing that we have him there, a veteran presence, you know, not someone who's at his first rodeo, as they say. So he's going to be strong for us. Trey Hopkins in the middle, you stay healthy, you're going to have a solid year, especially with better guard play around him. And then you have Suofilo as the right guard, a ton of experience in the league, hurt for a bunch of last year, but when he came back at the end, he shined a little bit. So I'm happy to have him in there. Again, another veteran. You got, you got a veteran, a veteran, and a veteran all on the inside there. And that's going to help. It's going to help Burrow be more protected. These guys have seen it. They're going to analyze things better than a rookie coming in. So I like that they're going to start the season with the three veterans up there. And then you go to another veteran on the right, Riley Reef. Very good in pass protection in the preseason. Run game a little up and down, but that's, you know, maybe he's not balling out fully in these preseason games. If he he stays healthy, we're going to be very solid out there. And you got a pretty good starting five. They did very well in the preseason. I'm just hoping it continues into the regular season when the real bullets start flying and they're looking at your T.J. Watts and your Miles Garretts and, you know, all those guys. Ravens don't really have a really good pass rusher, but you know what I'm talking about. So you want to see them protect Burrow against against what's going to be coming at him. 
and you know based on last year people are going to be going right after that offensive line. And then you move on to the backups. So you have, I'm not sure if it's going to be Fred Johnson or Isaiah Prince backing up on the left, but let's just say it tackles in general. I'm going to say Fred Johnson, first tackle off the bench. Isaiah Prince, second tackle off the bench. They both had decent preseasons. Fred Johnson only played the one game. I know he had the two penalties, but he looked pretty good out there. And Isaiah Prince was surprisingly good out there. So two young guys. And again, don't discount Deontay Smith or Spain kicking out to tackle. But I think that we're going to be a right there. And then, like I said, you move to the inside, and then you have the three young players. And you like to see it. It's almost like a glimpse of what the line's going to look like in two to three years. You're going to have Deontay Smith backing up at left guard. You're going to have Trey Hill backing up at center. He has the hip flexor, but the fact that they traded Billy Price probably means that the hip flexor is not that severe. So he's going to be an active player for us once the season starts. And then you have Jackson Carmen. It's only a matter of time before he cracks the starting lineup. He started off a little slow. He was a little out of shape coming in. I wasn't happy about that. But I was watching him like a hawk in these preseason games. And he was strong. He had good movement. Very few negative plays. I know he was fairly highly rated by Pro Football Focus. So take that for what it's worth. But look for him to come in. You know, he keeps showing up in practice. You know, Suofilo has a little bit of an injury history. You never know. Look for Jackson Carmen to bust into that starting lineup. And Deontay Smith is a snap away from being a starter as well. And, I mean, that's great. You get a second rounder and a fourth rounder and a sixth rounder in the same draft. You're thinking on paper, all right, hopefully one of them pans out. We have a shot at all three of them panning out. So that that's good news. All right, on to the defensive line, which played excellently in the preseason. So we'll go left to right. Sam Hubbard. They re-upped him for four more years, $10 million a year. You know, they, they believe in him. He's a good community guy. He's had production on the field. Pass rushing has been a little up and down, but with a little bit of help with your readers in there and your Hendricksons and even Hodge coming off the bench, it might increase Hubbard's sack numbers because there's a lot of action, a lot of guys that are threats. He might not get that, you know, the block by the tackle and the chip by the running back. He might just have one-on-ones a lot, and he's very capable of beating them, and he's a very good run defender. So very happy to have him on that edge. And then DJ Reader had a monster preseason just behind the scenes. They didn't play the starters much. But when he was in there, it's such a difference. And you don't notice that, right? Unless you're really watching the trenches, you don't notice you know, why the running back had a yard. You think, oh, well, Von Bell came up, made the tackle, or linebacker made the tackle. A lot of those plays were made by Reader, occupying two guys, getting penetration, forcing the running back to change the hole or the direction that he was originally supposed to go in. So there's a lot of hidden success that came from DJ Reader. As long as he stays healthy and it looks like the quad is holding up, he's going to contribute to a monster season. And you not, you might not see it in his numbers. It's not like he's going to be a 10-sack guy, but you watch the guys around him blossom. He'll get a share but you watch the guys around him that are going to be successful because of what he does on the inside. And then Ogunjobi is looking like he's going to be a big-time player for us, too. We didn't get a lot of him early because of the hamstring, but when he was in there, he was productive. He's had a productive career, and he's going to be a great complement in the middle with Reeder. You know, you're going to double-team Reeder. He's got a shot at making some plays in the pass game because he's going to have a lot of one-on-one coverage in there because you can't single-team Reeder at this point. And then Trey Hendrickson... Such a try-hard guy had, with a lot of production last year, and he looked excellent in the preseason. And, you know, the team you're on a new team. They give you that big contract. You're still not a big name in the league. It's something to build on. You know, you can see 
that'll get a player jacked up to play even better. And that's what I kind of thought in the preseason. He was really amped up when he got in there. All right, so let's go on to the guys that are backing up then. So defensive end, they're a little light at as far as the backups go. So they figured they would bring in Wyatt Ray, a defensive end from the Titans. I don't know much about his game, but the fact that they brought him right in, put him on the 53, means that he can probably handle himself out there. So he look for him to get in the rotation. You know, you never know what's going to happen with that, but it looks like it's someone that they believe in. And then Cam Sample is also going to back up at that defensive end. He's probably ahead of Ray on the depth chart. I probably should have set him first. But he's the guy that's going to move outside, going to move inside, had a very productive preseason, and you like those guys that can play multiple spots. It gives you a lot of versatility. So look for him to get into that rotation a lot as well. And then, of course, you have Khaled Kareem, who will be the number two behind Hubbard if he's healthy. I'm not sure where he stands right now. But again, he only played one preseason game. He was very productive in that first series. And I believed in him last year, and I think that if he's in the rotation, he's going to contribute. I'm just not sure of his injury status. And then you go behind Reader. You know, it's a tough position. Those guys are like the 350 crew, and we have three of them that kind of fit into the 350 club. Those are guys that they can't play as many snaps as the guys on the outside because, you know, they're a little bit bigger. They don't have the same wind as some of the other guys. So it's nice to have three of them in there. And, you know, behind Reader, you're going to have Tupo, who had an excellent preseason. And you're going to have Shelvin, who's a developing rookie. And I've said it before, he did not have a great preseason. But the jury's still out on him. He's a fourth-round pick. He has his attributes. He's young. Let him learn. You know, what? what's he had? A month of practice and three preseason games? So that's not a huge sample size. So I'm still believing that he can be the player that we think he's going to be. And he's got a chance to develop. He's going to be the third man off the bench at the nose or the one technique. And then backing up Ogunjobi... You have the guy that they traded Billy Price for, B.J. Hill, which I hear that they're really big on. So look for him to fit right into that rotation. The spot that we thought Mike Daniels was going to occupy, it's looking like they decided to go for a younger player. You know, fresher legs, it's the truth. I don't know if he's better or worse than Daniels, but the Bengals have opted to go for him, so we know how they feel. And then on to the backup for Hendrickson, Darius Hodge. I can't wait to see him get into a regular season game. And, you know, a lot of times you see these preseason superstars and then the regular season comes and they become pretty pedestrian. But this guy's got a motor and he's not going to be playing a ton of snaps. He's going to be coming in on some third downs here and there. They're going to keep him fresh. You know, you have that crazy attitude with fresh legs and a ton of production in the preseason. Really hoping that he racks up a bunch of sacks this year, makes a bunch of big plays, and, you know, gets himself as, as part of the culture on this team, you love when those undrafted guys pan out. And he could be one of those guys that pans out. Do it for a couple years, Darius, and you got that second contract. Now you're a player. All right, on to the linebacker position. This is another position they didn't let anybody leave the building. They went with Jordan Evans as the veteran and then all the young guys. You have your Pratt, Bailey, Davis Gaither, Logan Wilson. Logan Wilson is going to be the main guy in there. I predict Pratt is going to be your first and second down guy. Gaither, your third down guy. Bailey, your first guy off the bench if there's a problem. Jordan Evans, a core special teamer, and in there on some blitz packages. He was successful in that role last year, and they were using him in that role in the preseason. I don't see that stopping, so it was nice. They got the five guys all young. Even Jordan Evans is not an old player. And then they didn't let the other two guys leave the building either. Joe Bocci, who had a good preseason in coverage. They like him a lot. And Keandre Jones, a lot of tackles. He had a rough game against the Dolphins. But again, someone that they didn't want to see leave the building. So none of the linebackers are gone. None of the running backs are gone. And I think that's a good thing. 
All right, and on to defensive back. Trey Waynes, it's troubling with the hamstring because he, he had a hamstring pull on the one leg that healed and then it happened to the other leg. And that's tough when you have two compromised legs. You can't just go dominant leg and protect a bad hamstring. Now they're both, you know, they're both a little bulky, for lack of a better word. And they're saying that he might not be ready for game one. So look for him to not be there game one, game two, maybe come back game three. But he had a great preseason, too. You want to see him in the lineup. We deserve to have that. We deserve to have all the starters come to the gate and see what we can do. So, you know, best of luck to him. Hoping to get him back soon. And then on the other side, Chidobi Awuzie had a great preseason, too. I think he's a player that's that hit that, like, four-year mark, and the light is really on now. He has the experience. He has the athleticism. Now he's going to show it in games, and very good addition to the team. Mike Hilton in the slot is going to be monster. They're going to be using him over and over on blitzes. Hopefully he does a good job of shutting down the slot receivers. And then Jesse Bates and Von Bell. I don't know what I what I can say about him. That's a great tandem. Against the run, Bell, blitzing Bell, Bates, everything. So I'm predicting a, a huge year out of Bell, and we all know Bates is going to the Pro Bowl and hopefully an All-Pro on top of that. Then on to the guys that are backing him up. So you have Eli Apple backing up Waynes. Apple didn't get any action in the preseason because of a hamstring. Looks like he's good to go. We'll hope he stays healthy because he's going to have to man that spot for Waynes for a couple weeks. So that's a big mystery. We don't know what we're going to get there. And that would be a shame, too, if the defense is all playing good and you know your backup corner starting and letting up big plays. I don't see it. I'm hoping that's not the case. Then backing up on the other side is going to be Nick McLeod, and that was a guy we just picked up from the Bills. I don't know anything about him, except that he ran a 4-3-40, so that's encouraging. And the fact that they picked him up off waivers, put him right on the 53, means that they have seen something and they like this player. So let's hope that if he is pressed into duty, that he shows up. But, I mean, right now our two backups in Apple and McLeod are a little bit of a mystery. So we're going to cross our fingers and hope that our personnel staff made the right decisions and these guys can come in and play as needed. And then you go into the slot. Jalen Davis is going to be backing up Hilton based on that preseason. And Darius Phillips is going to be the wandering guy. He's going to be more of the punt returner. And then I could see him getting action on the outside in an emergency, in the slot in an emergency. So he's going to be the utility guy. But I think his main role this year is going to be punt returner. And back to Jalen Davis, let's hope he just builds on this preseason and gets in there and puts solid coverage down. And that could be a nice one-two punch in there, too, in the slot. You have Hilton as your blitzing guy. Maybe have Jalen Davis come in if, if the third and fourth wide receivers are getting a little hot. You know, that could be a good option there. So we have a lot of options at corner. Hopefully it all works out. And then on to safety, Brandon Wilson, not going to get a lot of time on defense unless there's an injury, but obviously he's the best kick returner in the league. So he's got a, a solid spot on the roster, a, a special teams guy and a big time returner. And then Ricardo Allen brings that veteran presence and that calming force to the secondary. So he'll be the first safety off the bench if there's any problems. Maybe if they go to that three safety look, you know, when they're only putting a linebacker or two on the field and you got the extra DBs and maybe an extra safety to protect against the run, I could see Ricardo Allen filling that spot, almost like a Sean Williams. Then on to special teams. Clark Harris, best long snapper in the league. Kevin Huber, top 10 punter in the league. And then we have our kicker, Evan McPherson. I know it's early to be calling him the savior, but, man, he sure looks like it. So if he kicks like he did in preseason, our kicking game is going to be lights out. 
All right, so let's move on to the practice squad. We talked about a bunch of these guys already. And when you think about it, all right, so they have 90 players on the roster to start, right? They finally cut it down to 80, and that's really when everyone starts paying attention. All right, we have 80 players. We can only keep 53, but you forget you can keep 16 practice squad players. So that's 69 players. So really, out of that 80, there's only 11 that are kind of leaving the building for good. You know, maybe a dozen or so if you bring in other guys from other teams, as we just did. So a lot of times we get worried when a player gets cut, but once they clear waivers, they're right back on the team. And a lot of guys that you cut, other teams have their guys too. Other teams have their 80 guys that they're committed to and they have seen tape on and they've been developing. So it's not like they're going to be picking up a lot of the guys that we cut, and that's how you get a Jacquez Patrick back on the practice squad. So some general rules about the practice squad. You know, we hear about it all the time, but the rules change a lot on it. So here are the current practice squad rules. Practice squad salaries don't count against the salary cap. So that's a big plus for teams. You don't have to worry about that. You get your 16 players and you ride with them without having to worry about managing the rest of your roster for salary reasons. So of the 16 players, you can have six that have more than two accrued years in the NFL, which is good. In the old days, it was just young guys, and if you played for more than two years, you couldn't go on the practice squad. But in recent years, they changed that. So you can have six veterans, and you can have 10 guys that have no more than two accrued seasons. And then you can protect four players every week. So when you have a guy on the practice squad and you don't want to get him stolen, maybe like a Patrick, maybe like a Chrisman, you know, I'm not sure who else they might put on that protected list, but you can protect four players every week, and then you can promote two of those players without waiving anybody. It used to be when you brought up a practice squad player, you had to get rid of someone from the 53, but now they allow you up to 55. So you can bring those two players up without any ramifications. The only catch is that you can only do that two times per player, like bring them up without any roster cut ramifications. And then the other thing the NFL changed, that injured reserve is now just three weeks, not six weeks. And that gives teams a lot of flexibility. You could put a guy on there without losing him for a month and a half. So you're going to see a lot more guys go on IR because they're protected and you're not going to have to wave people and mess around with IR. So that was a good move by the NFL as well. All right, so the 16 that made the practice squad. As of this podcast, there's 15. And I suspect that 16th is going to be a quarterback or a wide receiver, like I said before or maybe just the best player available. They want to keep that spot open. Marvin Lewis used to do that every year, you know, waited a couple days and fill that spot later. By the time this podcast comes out, within a day or two, they're going to have that 16th spot filled. But as of now, here are the 15 players. Jacquez Patrick, so glad he's in the building. Puka Williams, hurt all preseason, don't know what he can do, but we're going to get a chance to see him develop and practice with the team. Also, a good scout team guy, because you could run him in a lot of different roles, hard to catch, so he's going to have his value in, in that regard. Travion Williams, how do you get rid of him? I know he, it's very hard for him to find his way into the lineup. Evans did beat him out in preseason, but, I mean, you got the SEC leading rusher, and every time he's in there, he seems to make plays, so I'm glad he's still in the building. Drew Chrisman could very well be the heir apparent for Kevin Huber. One of my friends on Twitter made a really good point that the Bengals didn't give him any action in the preseason, so no teams had any tape on him, and they wouldn't get him stolen because I really think they want to keep him around, develop him, and have him be the punter of the future. So he's still on the roster. Thaddeus Moss, we talked about earlier, exciting to see. Maybe he comes up in an injury, and Burrow's going to find him if he's up there. Joe Bocci, they like the way he played. Keaton Sutherland. He's been sticking around for a couple years, so they like what they see, and he did play center and guard in the preseason, so he has that position versatility that they look for. 
Winston Rose, Tony Brown, they kept around. They struggled a little bit in preseason, but guys that have been in the system for a couple years, and you can never have enough defensive backs. Trent Taylor, another guy, you know, one injury away from being in the starting lineup, or if Darius Phillips has any issues punt returning, you can see him get brought up to the active roster as well. Mason Shrek at tight end, been here for a while. They do like him. He didn't fit into the top three, but they still found a way to keep him in the building. Rennell Wren played an excellent game against Miami. You know, injuries have been a problem for him. He rehabs and works really hard at his craft. So, again, a young player. You need some backup defensive linemen there, too. So there's no reason why he might not come up to the active roster in a pinch. Noah Spence, the guy they just brought in, I didn't think he had a great game against Miami, but he's a veteran. You need help at defensive end, so there he is in case there's any problems. Keandre Jones at linebacker, another depth guy there. And then Trayvon Henderson, who's done nothing but play well every time his number's called in the preseason. Glad that he's back. And when you look at the practice squad, you tend to keep a player at each position, right? We kept the two running backs. We have the two tight ends there. We have a wide receiver. We have two offensive linemen. You got a defensive tackle and a defensive end. You got two linebackers, one a thumper, one more of a coverage guy. You got a couple corners. You got a safety. So they covered every position. You even got a punter, kicker. They don't usually won't do. It would have been nice to see Cybert stay around, but you can't really do that. There's other needs. The only position is quarterback. So look out. We could see a quarterback on the Bengals practice squad. And then to the players not retained, Scotty Washington, tough. He just There was just a numbers crunch, and he couldn't get in there. At least he has the touchdown from the preseason on tape. Maybe that'll get him a job someplace else. And then the two shockers, Trent Irwin, who did everything asked in preseason, he's going to land somewhere. And Mike Thomas is going to land somewhere, and I thought he had a good preseason as well. So those guys are now out of the building, but their NFL careers are far from over. Kyle Shermer. I didn't like what I saw out of him in the preseason, and apparently they didn't either because he's on the street now. Seibert, the kicker, we know the deal. They tried to trade him. They couldn't really keep him, so he's on the street. He'll get a job. They waived Vogel, who had a really bad preseason, in my opinion, so I I expected that. I thought he was going to be the first guy cut. I'm surprised he made it to the 80, maybe just to have some extra tackle depth so they didn't beat up on their backups. Fred Johnson wasn't available. And then Michael Jordan. He's going to go down in history as one of the most infamous Bengals. And it's a shame, but that Burrow play, I don't know. I, I guess I can safely say it now. That's inexcusable. Then defensively, just a handful of guys. Mike Daniels is on the street. Very big shock there. Khalil McKenzie and Amani Bledsoe, they kind of brought those guys in off the street last year when they were so desperate for defensive linemen. Kind of makes sense that they didn't make the team. Bledsoe hustled a lot in the preseason. And if these guys don't get signed, they are a phone call away, right? You sign them off the couch if necessary. And then Antonio Phillips was the one corner that they decided not to bring back, and he had a really bad game against the Dolphins. So that's the 53-man. That's the practice squad. The Vikings are about a week away, and the playoffs are about four months away. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a preview of the Bengals-Vikings Week 1 matchup. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.